0: And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Lamar.
1: He was like a god walking
0: amongst mere mortals. He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr.
2: And suits so fine, they made Sinatra look like a hobo.
3: Is this your place, Carl?
2: Yeah, what do you think? Really? It's
4: really awful.
2: But I have a lot of things that are on order. You know, credit trouble.
1: Pay more attention to your schoolwork and less to the radio. You always listen to the radio. It's
0: different. Our lives are ruined already. The Whistler. The tape will self-destruct in five seconds.
5: Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. And by my side is my co-host, Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa?
3: I'm glad to be right by your side. All
5: right. Tell <laughs> us about what's happening in Hollywood.
3: Yes, I'm excited about this. There's going to be a Harper Lee documentary, which will encore on PBS. Harper Lee is the author of To Kill a Mockingbird. Oh, okay. She died February 19th of 2016 at age 89. You can check it out, American Masters. It's called Harper Lee, and it uh, features interviews, friends, families. It should be very
5: interesting. All right. Uh, in our last hour, we tuned into the first portion of Our Miss Brooks. Let's do the uh, conclusion now from October 31st, 1948. Here's Our Miss Brooks.
0: Look, isn't that Harriet standing under that tree? Oh, yeah, that's her.
6: Uh, Pull over to the curb, Miss Brooks. Yes, sir. Shall I hold the meter?
1: (laughs) Hiya, Harriet.
6: My car's all tattered and torn, so Miss Brooks is taking us to the
0: game.
1: Well, bless your little pointed head.
6: Hello, Miss Brooks. Hello, Harriet.
0: (laughs) How are you, Harriet?
6: Mr. Boynton. How oh, nice to have you along. Get that leer out of your voice, Harriet. Mister Boynton's been spoken for.
1: <laughs>
6: in fact, he's been spoken and croaked for. <laughs> what in the world was that sound? Oh, this
0: is MacDougal, Harriet. One of my favorite frogs.
6: You can introduce them formally when we're rolling again. Hop in. <clears throat> Not you, Mac.
1: <laughs>
6: we'll get in back. After you, my lady. Thank you, my man. All set. Well, we're off for Clay City. Oh, don't start yet, Miss Brooks. Daddy's coming down off the porch. Hi, Daddy.
0: Hello, everyone. Oh, hello, Mr. Conklin.
6: Bye, Mr. Conklin. Uh, that is, how do you do, sir? How's Madison's favorite principal today?
0: Hmm? At ease. <laughs> <laughs> I was just reading about the game with Clay City High. Should be quite a contest.
3: Oh, yes, sir. That's where we're going
6: today. At least we're starting today.
0: <laughs> Denton, must you sit so close to my daughter?
6: Sitting close to her, Mr. Conklin She's sitting close to me I'm over as far as I can get I've got to pin him down, Father Walter's the elusive type Of course, he's not a real happy heartache But he's good for a minor throb or
1: two let <laughs> it out, Harriet
0: <laughs> Oh, stop those nonsensical noises Now, there's quite a bit of work I could do this afternoon, filing reports to the Board of Education and so forth. You
6: have a nice day for it, Mr. Conklin. Well, we'd be getting along now.
0: But I got to thinking. Conklin, I said to myself, or rather, Mr. Conklin, I said. (laughs) You haven't seen a football game in a month of Sundays. Let's take in this Clay City game.
1: Then you mean you're going along with us? That's just super, Daddy, isn't it, Walter? Yeah.
0: Super. <laughs> It'll be a pleasure to have you along, Mr. Conklin. Oh, thank you, Barton. But what about you, Miss Brooks? It's your car. How do you feel about my coming along?
6: Just ginger peachy, Mr. Conklin. <laughs> well, let's get started if we're going. It's getting kind of late, and we want to Oh, I it.
0: won't be any time at all. I'll go back to the house and ask Mrs. Conklin to speed things up.
6: Mrs. Conklin?
0: Yes, yes. She's been out in the yard all morning planting, and she's quite dirty. I'll tell her to hurry with a bath and not fuss much with dressing.
6: I'll tell her to slip on anything, Mr. Conklin. A loose rug will do.
0: Well, here we are.
6: Sorry to keep you waiting. Hello, Miss Brooks. Mr. Boynton. Hello, Miss, Mrs. Conklin. Uh,
0: how are you, ma'am? What?
6: <laughs> <laughs> Walter. Hi, Mrs. Conklin. Uh, where do you want to
0: sit? Well, I think that you two should be separated. So, Martha, if you just sit between Walter and Harriet, I'll sit up front between Miss Brooks and Mr. Boynton.
6: Fine. Now, if we can only get somebody to sit between McDougall.
1: Uh,
0: I'd better hold him on my lap. There we go, Mac.
6: Pity he doesn't drive. We could change places.
1: <laughs> Ah, we're
0: all set, Miss Brooks. Uh, Do you know the road?
1: Well,
6: not offhand, Mr. Conklin, but I've got some maps in my glove compartment.
0: Well, I'd better get them out then, Miss Brooks. Should be a very simple matter, getting to Clay City. Ah, let's see here. Route 68 into 44, then west... No, it's east, I guess it is, on 106. Well, what are you waiting for, Miss Brooks? For the directions, Mr. Conklin. Oh, I'll give you those as we go along. Just start her up.
6: Well, we're on our way, Harriet.
1: Isn't it fun, Walter? Please, children, you're squeezing me.
6: It should happen to both of
5: us.
6: (laughs) Miss
1: Brooks, do you mind turning your radio on? I understand there's going to be a new clue on Sing It Again.
6: All right, Harriet. Gee, the prizes are up to $26,000.
0: And here, folks, is your new Sing It Again clue. The Batam Boys is no Ziegfeld girl. But a Zigbelt guy gave her a whirl.
6: Thank you. The 26,000 will come in handy.
0: Who do you think the Phantom Voice is, Miss Brooks?
6: Well, if I knew the answer to that, Harriet, I'd be able to walk right up to your father and say... Yes, Miss Brooks? (laughs) Hello, Mr. Conklin. (laughs) (laughs) We've been going quite a while on Route 68. Shouldn't we have switched over to 44 by now?
0: Are you questioning my directions, Miss Brooks?
6: Well, no, Mr. Conklin, but... I was a
0: major in the last war, you know. (laughs)
1: <laughs> and
0: as such, spent considerable time in command of a transport group at Camp Bobrick, Ohio. I'm sure we're on the right road. <laughs> and the caissons go rolling along. Oh, you have quite a voice, Mr. Conklin. Oh, thank you, Boynton. I did a bit of singing round the barracks now and then. Yum-tum-tum-tum-tum-tum-tum-tum-tum. <laughs>
6: Mr. Conklin. Oh, that was Mac, wasn't it? He must be hungry, Mr. Boynton. I know I am. Shall we stop for some lunch at the blue goose? Where's the blue goose, Miss Brooks? Well, I haven't been there since I was a girl, but Gosh, Miss Brooks, do you
3: think it's still standing? <laughs> now, just
6: a minute, Walter. How old do you think I am, anyway?
3: Oh, I'd say you're about Of course to... it's
6: still standing. <laughs>
0: There's only one place to go if you want a delicious luncheon. That's the Pink Flamingo.
6: Oh, where's that, Osgood? You never mentioned it in front of me before. Eh?
0: Well, the last time I went there, I was with a bunch of the boys. Are you sure you can find this blue goose, Miss <laughs> Brooks?
6: Yes, I think so, Mr. Conklin. Let's see, where are we now?
0: Well, there's a signboard over there, Route 118. Honey, that isn't on this map at all. Uh, You'd better bear left at this fork, Miss Brooks.
6: Very well, Mr. Conklin, but I don't think we're on the right road. This hill ahead of us is pretty steep. I hope the motor doesn't heat up too much. This radiator's just been patched temporarily.
0: Well, up we go. the hill, over down, yum yum, yam, yam, and the caissons go, 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 go.
6: The caisson stopped rolling. (laughs) (laughs) At least this one did.
0: Carl, get out and look at the motor. Keep your seat, Mr. Boynton. As head of a transport battalion, I had considerable to do with motors during my of duty. Well, now, let's see. Well, nothing wrong with the tappets. Radiator's still in one piece. Hand me a hammer, somebody.
6: There are some tools under this seat, I think.
0: Oh, here, let's get out. Here we are. Here's a hammer, Mr. Conklin. Oh, thank you. Now we'll just tap this water pipe here.
6: Be careful, Mr. Conklin.
0: Leave, Miss Brooks. I know motors backwards. One more good tap should do it.
6: That did it, all right. Well, let's get out and push, folks. We're off to the nearest garage.
0: Well, there you are, folks. There you are. Good as new. Nothing would have happened in the first place if some knucklehead hadn't hit the pipes with a hammer.
1: <laughs> what? Why, how
0: dare? Why, who do you think? Why, I have you know... Who's no... Huffin' and puffing? Oh,
6: please. Uh, this is Mr. Knucklehead. I mean...
1: <laughs>
6: I mean Mr. Conklin. Yeah. He's my principal. Just... Oh, now, calm down, well, Mr. T- Mr. Conklin. Remember, this... everything's all right just... now. We're <laughs> off to Clay, Clay City. <laughs> Where do you figure we are now, Miss Brooks? Well, I think
0: According we're... to my calculations, we've been traveling due east on Route 94 for one hour and ten minutes at an approximate mean speed of 40 miles per hour.
6: Any tailwind, Mr. Conklin?
0: <laughs> oh, look, we're coming into a town. Of course we're coming to a town. Just as I figured. This is it. Uh, Miss Brooks, ask that pedestrian where the stadium is.
6: What pedestrian? Hey, look where you're driving! Oh, that pedestrian! Uh, pardon me, could you tell us where the Clay City Stadium is?
4: Well, I can't be positive, but my guess would be Clay City.
6: (laughs) Isn't this Clay City?
4: No, no, this is
0: Boonville. If you'd be kind enough to give me a lift home, though, I could show you where Clay City is. I live just a few miles from there in Flagden.
6: Well, there really isn't much room. We've got three in front and three in back now. Well,
2: it's not much of a ride from here. Perhaps I could sit on this gentleman's lap.
0: What? Sit on my lap?
6: Oh, better take him, dear. We've only got a short time if we want to see the
1: kickoff.
0: Oh, very well. Come on. I hope I'm not too heavy. (laughs) Sorry, I'll change my position. (laughs) Not the car, Miss
1: Brooks. All right,
6: Mr. Conklin. And this time we're really off to Clay City.
0: Yeah. Thanks a lot for the lift.
6: You're welcome. Now, how do we get to Clay City from here?
4: Oh, that's 29 miles back down the road. We pass through it on the way. What?
0: Why you? It's so long. 29 miles back. Why, that? We could have been...
3: He He said that it was only... Daddy, remember your blood pressure. His ears get
1: awful red, don't they?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Now, see here, everybody. We've got to organize this expedition. There's been no unity of command, that's the trouble. Everybody's talking at
1: once.
0: Um... (laughs) Shut that toad up, Boynton. He's not a toad, Mr. Conklin. MacDougall's a frog.
6: A giant bullfrog with tonsils. Quiet, quiet, Miss Williams.
0: Now, turn this car around and go that way, and don't stop going that way until I tell you to. Off to Clay City. Well, this is Clay City, all right. There's the Clay City National Bank, Clay City City Lumberyard. Now, for heaven's sake, Miss Brooks, before you get lost again, ask somebody where the stadium is.
6: All right, Mr. Conklin. Oh, there's a bus parked over there. I'll ask the driver. Excuse me, but could you tell me where the Clay City Stadium is?
0: Sure, it's four blocks left and three right.
6: Oh, thanks a lot. That's the first definite answer I've had all day.
0: Well, I ought to know where the stadium is. I got the Clay City team in this bus. We just beat Madison High 89 to nothing.
6: 89 to nothing? May I ask you one more question?
0: Sure, what is it?
6: Did they put up a good fight? Well, the trip back from Clay City was uneventful. I dropped Walter and the Conklins at their house instead of on their heads. And though I missed the football game, the rest of my plans worked out pretty well. Mr. Boynton asked me to dinner, and without Mr. Conklin in the car, we had no trouble finding the Blue Goose Cafe. Dinner was delightful. The orchestra was playing softly, and Mr. Boynton turned to me and said,
0: That's my favorite tune, Miss Brooks. Would you get a dance?
1: <laughs>
6: Sorry, Mr. Boynton, but I promised this one to Mac.
0: Next week, tune in to another Our Miss Brooks show, brought to you by Parmali Soap, your beauty hope, and luster cream shampoo for soft, glamorous, green girl hair. Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden, is produced by Larry Burns, written and directed by Al Lewis, with music by Wilbur Hatch. More mystery, liberally sprinkled with laughs. Listen to Mr. and Mrs. North, the exciting, fun-packed adventures of an amateur Park Avenue detective and his beautiful wife. Tune in Tuesday evenings over most of these same stations, and be with us again next week at the same time for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks. Bob Lemond speaking. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting.
5: And that's our Miss Brooks going back to October 31st, 1948 with Driving to the Football Game. Starring Eve Arden, also in the cast, Jeff Chandler, Gail Gordon, Richard Crenna, Jane Morgan, and Gloria McMillan. Sponsored by Palmolive Soap and Colgate Tooth Powder, assert on CBS. Let's take a break, then it's more here on Hollywood 360. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Are you a fan of classic radio? Shows like Abbott and Costello What's
4: the guy's name on first
2: base? No, what is on second base? I'm not asking you who's on second Who's on first? One base at a time well, the-
5: Gunsmoke I'm that man Matt Dillon, United States Marshal Inner Sanctum This is your host to welcome you in through the squeaking door Fibber McGee and Molly
7: What day
4: is this?
5: Oh, no, let me see com And receive your 10 free classic radio shows today. That's Hollywood360Radio.com. And now back to Hollywood360 with Carl Amari. Welcome back to the show. I'm Carl Amari, your host, along with Lisa Wolf, my co host. The Mysterious Traveler was created, written, and directed by Robert A. Arthur and David Kogan. It came to Mutual Radio in 1943. The lonely sound of a distant locomotive heralded the arrival of the ominous narrator known only as the mysterious Lisa Wolf. I should say the Mysterious Traveler. Each week, Maurice Tarplin was the Mysterious Traveler who invited us to join him on another journey into the strange and terrifying. He hoped we would enjoy the trip, that it would thrill us a little and chill us a little. The casts were made up of New York's best supporting actors, including Jackson Beck, Lon Clark, Bill Johnstone, Elspick Eric. Lawson Zerby and Louis Van Ruden. Although the Mysterious Traveler never made the transition to television, it did spawn a magazine and a comic book, but we have now a radio episode for you going back to April thirteenth, nineteen forty-seven. It's called Dark Destiny, and it stars Maurice Tarplin. Let's tune into part one now of the Mysterious Traveler.
2: Mutual presents the Mysterious Traveler. This is the Mysterious Traveler.
5: Inviting
4: you to join me on another journey into the realm of the strange and the terrifying. I hope you will enjoy the trip, that it will thrill you a little and uh, chill you a little.
2: So settle back,
4: get a good grip on your nerves and be comfortable. If you can. What is our story tonight? Why, tonight we're going to see what happens when an honest man yields to temptation and descends into the murky depths of murder and despair. It's the story I call... Dark, Dark Destiny. In the office of Dr. William Norris, Joseph Harrison, a man in his thirties, is waiting anxiously as in the next room, Dr. Norris is finishing his examination of pretty young Mary Harrison.
7: It isn't anything serious, is it, Dr. Norris? Please tell me it isn't.
2: I'm afraid it's too soon to say, Mrs. Harrison. Until the X-ray plates are developed, I can't say yes or no. And Now, uh, your husband is waiting outside, and he's probably beginning to worry, yes, so... Yes, uh... of
7: course, Doctor. Poor Joe, he does worry about me.
2: Well, here's your wife, Mr. Harrison. You must have thought I'd kidnapped her. No, but I was getting a little worried, Doctor. I hope you didn't find anything very wrong. Well, I took a complete X-ray series. I won't be able to tell much until they are developed. I'd like Mrs. Harrison to come back the day after tomorrow, if she can.
7: Of course, Doctor.
2: Any time in the day that's convenient to you will be quite all right. And meanwhile, I'll write out a prescription your husband can have filled. Now, will you step in a minute, Mr. Harrison? Sure thing. I'll be with you in a minute, Mary.
7: All right, darling.
2: Won't you sit down, Mr. Harrison? All right. What is it, Doctor? Bad news? I'm afraid so. Does that mean Mary's... Going to die? No, Mr. Harrison. Not that serious. But within a few months, she will be confined to her bed. I'm afraid she faces a life of invalidism.
4: Oh, no. No, it can't be.
2: I'm sorry, Mr. Harrison.
4: Doctor, there must be something you can do for
2: her. Well, well I don't want to raise your hopes, but... yeah. There's one doctor in this country who, through a very remarkable type of operation, has been able to help people like your wife.
4: Why didn't you say so? Let's get him.
2: Well, I must warn you, Mr. Harrison, this operation doesn't always meet with success. In many cases, the patient shows no improvement at all. After all, it's still in the experimental state. Look, there's one
4: chance in a hundred, I want Mary to have that chance.
2: Now, please get this doctor to operate on my wife. All right, I'll try. But his services are in great demand. And, uh... Well, his average fee for an operation is about $1,500. $1,500? Of course, if you can't afford that, he might
4: consider the circumstances. No, I can afford it. I can afford anything that Mary needs. Very well, then I'll get in touch with him at yeah, once. sure. You make the arrangements right away. I'll get hold of the money. I'll have it by tomorrow, Sure. <laughs>
7: off of my coat, will you? Oh,
4: sure, sure. (laughs) How are you feeling?
7: Oh, my backache is much better since I took the medicine Dr. Norris gave me. I'm sure I'm going to be all right, Joe.
4: Of course you are. He's one of the best doctors in the city. He'll have you well in no time.
7: Did he tell you anything more, Joe?
4: No, not a thing, except that the treatment may take a little time, that's all.
7: A little time? Yeah. Oh, dear, I hope it won't be too expensive. Your business has fallen off and we've used up our savings Now, now don't account.
4: you worry about the money. Don't you worry about anything.
7: All right, darling. I won't. But aren't you going to take your coat off?
4: Uh, no, I... I, I uh... Got to get that prescription the doctor gave me filled. Now, you just take it easy till I get back. I might stop in at the shop, too. There's something... Uh, something I have to tend to. Oh. i'm joe harrison oh yes mr harrison and please sit down thank you uh, i see that you want to borrow fifteen hundred dollars from us that's right i've got to have it right away hmm. unfortunately the uh, security you wish to offer your home is what's uh, wrong with it The swell little house in a good section it's all in good repair houses are worth money these days quite true but you already have a first and second mortgage on it, and I, uh... Well, prices are falling, so I'm afraid we can't make any further loans on it. I've got to have the money. I've just got to... I'm sorry to hear that, because there's nothing we can do to help you. Well, forget about the loan. I'll sell the house. Plenty of people want houses. That's true, too, but uh, I don't think you can possibly clear much over the mortgages on a sale. A few hundred dollars, perhaps. You see, uh, those mortgages were issued when prices were at their peak. And now, uh, well, things have changed. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I see they have. You say you're not employed, Mr. Harrison. No, I own a shop. You see, I'm a locksmith. Hmm, that means you're never certain of your income. Now, if you had a job, a regular income that could be depended upon... What are you getting at? You mean you're not going to let me have the money? I'm afraid I can't, Mr. Harrison. But your ads say that you lend up to $2,000 on a personal note. I only want $1,500. Look, you've got to let me have it. I certainly wish I could, but under the circumstances, I... I'm sorry. Very sorry. But there's nothing I can...
1: I'm
7: afraid the collateral you suggest isn't satisfactory, Mr. Harrison... We'd lend you the money if we could, but we just can't. Sorry.
4: But I've just got to have it. I've got to. Sorry. Sorry. Do you hear me? I've got to have it. Sorry. 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 Sorry.
1: Sorry.
7: Joe, you're not eating. And you're so quiet. Is anything wrong?
4: What... Oh, no, no, of course not.
7: You're worrying about me, aren't you?
4: No, Mary, of course not. I, I uh. I was
7: just thinking about some changes at the shop. But darling, you don't have to lie to me. I know you're worrying. But I'm going to get better. Really, I am. I promise you. Sure, it. you are.
4: Sure. Dr. Norris said so. You're going to be well in no time. Well, I have to go out now. I have an appointment with Horace Latimer. You remember I told you about him? We grew up together. I may be pretty late, so don't wait up for me.
5: And that's the first portion of the mysterious Lisa, I mean the mysterious traveler, going back to April 13, 1947 with Dark Destiny. Let's take a break, then it's more here on Hollywood 360. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Time now for the conclusion to Dark Destiny on The Mysterious Traveler. Joe had no appointment with Horace Latimer,
4: but he went to see Horace anyway, for they had been boyhood friends until their paths had separated. Horace had grown rich, and Joe hoped desperately that Horace would lend him the money he had been trying to raise all day. A sum that would mean nothing at all to Horace. $1,500, that's uh, rather a lot of money, Joe. No, it is, Horace, but it's for Mary. It's for an operation. I've got to have it. Mm, I see. Well, now, why don't you try the bank? You have a house. Uh, I banks. have tried the bank. And a half a dozen loan companies, they all turned me down. They said my security wasn't good enough. Oh, I see. Well, that's too bad. But you know, I don't quite understand why you came to me, Joe. Because we're friends, that's why. Because when we were boys, we agreed that each of us would always lend the other a helping hand if we could. Boys don't understand business very well, I'm afraid, Joe. Oh, I guess not. They don't understand business. They just understand friendship. You know, if I had the money, I'd lend it to you if you needed it. I don't doubt that at all, Joe, and you can bet I'd lend it to you if I had it. But that's the trouble. I haven't any
0: ready cash. The income tax, you know, and... Well, a couple of shaky investments that I'm trying to yeah, bolster right, right up. All right, all
4: and... right, Horace. Never mind explaining. I get the idea. You're not going to lend me any money. Not really, Joe. I would if I could, but I can't. Uh, I'm sorry. I'll save your you... sorrow for somebody who wants it. I don't need your money, you hear? I'll get it someplace else. I'll get it someplace. Somehow. Sometime... After he had slammed out of Horace Latimer's expensive home... Joe stood for a moment on the dark street corner, staring back with bitterness in his face. Yeah, you're sorry. I'll bet you are. <laughs> what a sap I was to think you were a pal of mine. I should have known better. I should have What's known... What's buddy? Huh? You speaking to me? Oh, no. Uh, sorry, I guess I was just thinking out loud. That's okay. Hey, uh, got a match? Match? Sure, yeah. Here yeah. you Thanks. Okay, hold it just like that. Make a move Look. and I'll plug you. Gun. Are you... Are you a- Yeah, this is a stick-up. Hand over your dough and make it fast, see? My dough? <laughs> That's a uh, hot one. I'm out trying to raise money and so are you. Well, I only got a dollar on me. Take that if you want it. Anyhow, it's more than I could raise. Don't try to kid me. Stand still while I see what you got in your pockets. Go ahead. Uh, wallet. In a leather case of some kind. You'll find exactly one buck in that wallet. You made a mistake, I tell you. I don't live in this ritzy neighborhood. I just came here to try to borrow a little money. One measly buck. But I'll bet you got a roll hidden in this leather case. It's heavy enough. There's nothing in there but my emergency kit. Yeah, well, I'll see for myself. All right. This kid is full of skeleton keys and pick locks and stuff. What are you, anyway, a second-story worker? I'm a locksmith and a safe repairman, if it's anything to you. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Now, how about taking that dollar and letting me go on my way? I'm in a hurry. Not so fast, pal. Were you leveling just now when you said you were trying to raise dough? Sure I was. I got to have $1,500 by tomorrow. And what's it to you? You'd be surprised, pal. Okay, I'm putting the gun away, but you ain't leaving yet. Why not? Because me and you are going to talk business. I got a plan that'll get us both all the dough we need. Two more beers, waiter Well, Joe Is the deal on my proposition?
1: Hey
4: Oh, Mike Sure you do There's nothing to it You can open locks and safes yeah. But... And I know a house where there's a safe with plenty of dough in it. You and me together, we'll go get it. We'll make a team. But burglary? I've never stolen anything in my life. Listen, you need dough bad, don't you? Instead do I, plenty bad. Yeah, but I... You said you'd do anything to get it, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, I did. Then what are you hanging back for? All you gotta do is get the back door open and the safe. You can do that, can't you? Yeah, I... suppose so... Then forget the butts. In a half an hour, you'll have your 1500 and more. How else are you ever going to get it? Answer me that. I don't know. Hey, look. You saw all those big houses lived in by guys with dough. How'd they get it? They took it from somebody else, every one of them. Yeah, I suppose so. You sure the money's there? I'm positive. Look, I was casing a joint, and I looked in the window just in time to see the old geezer put a roll of bills in a safe you can open with your teeth. All right, I'll do it i got to have that money. And so, half an hour later, Joe and his newfound acquaintance stood in the shadows of the rear entrance of an imposing brick house, listening intently. Not a sound anyplace. Good thing there's no dogs around. One o'clock. Everybody's hit the hay long ago. This will be a cinch. That lock looks easy enough. I shouldn't be doing this. Must be some other way to get the money. Don't be a sucker all your life. You gotta take what you want in this world. Go on, get the door open. Gotta get inside before we're spotted. Robert. Well, all right. It'll only take a second, I think. Yeah, it's coming. It's unlocked Let's get inside Come on There Good We're in Nobody spotted us The safe's in the library This way Don't make any noise You sure there's only The two of them in the house? Yeah The old guy and his butler Probably both deaf as posts Here we are Here's the library door Come on in safe's behind a picture on this wall. That picture there? Yeah, that's the one. I lift it down. There you are. There's the safe. It's a kid's toy. Kid's toy? Nothing. That baby's tough. Well, you can open it, can't you? Yeah, but it'll take at least a half an hour. Get going. We can't stay here all night. <laughs> You've been 40 minutes on that thing. I told you it was tough. It's coming now. There. There you go. About time, too. Now, uh, let's see what's in it. Here's the cash box. Wait will I open it? and we'll know what we got. There, look. Oh, cash. Mazuma, what did I tell you? There must be thousands there. Easy, come on. Let's count it and divvy it up. Uh, no, no. Never mind. Just give me the 1500 That's all I want. You can keep the rest. You kidding? No, that's all I want. Just the 1500 that I need. Okay, if that's the way you want it. Here you are. $10, 11 12 13 14 $1,500 bill. $1,500. <laughs> just for an hour's work? Easy money, huh? Hey, look. What do you say we crack a couple of more cribs tonight? No, no, no. I just want to get out of here now. That's... Someone's coming. Someone's coming? Yeah. Here. here, get behind this door. I'll take care of this. What are you going to do? Never mind. Now, shut up. Who... Who's there?
2: Jenkins? Jenkins, is that you? Ah. Well, the safe's open. The The Jenkins! Jenkins, call the police! Quick! Nobody's calling any cops tonight, mister. Why, you... You're a thief! Jenkins! Jenkins!
1: Jenkins!
4: <laughs> Maybe that'll convince you. Why did you hit him? What'd you expect me to do? Hold his hand? Wait a minute. He looks like he's dead. I wouldn't be surprised. He don't seem to be breathing any to speak of. That, that, that's murder. So it's murder. You're in it just as much as me. Don't forget that. Yeah. I'm an accessory to murder. Cut that guff and let's get out of here. Or do you want to get caught? No, no, of course not. Then come on, let's get going. <laughs> Okay, here we are. Come on in. Why did you make me come here? Why can't I go home? You heard me. Come on in. That's better. Ah, take off your hat and stay a while. Well, I can't stay, Mike. My wife, she'll be worrying. I gotta go home to her. You've got worse things than your wife to worry about, pal. What do you mean? I mean the cops. Or have you forgotten you're wanted for murder? No, I haven't forgotten. I'll never be able to forget. Why did you kill him? Why? So we wouldn't have to go to jail. Would you rather have gone to jail, Joe? No, oh, of course not. Yes, I would. I, I... I'm all mixed up. How did I get into this anyway? You needed dough. That's how you got into this. And you got it. So cut out the sob stuff. We're in the clear. Nobody got a peep at Why, why won't you let me go home? Why do you make me come to your room here? Uh, two reasons. The first is I uh, I want to make sure you know what it'll mean if you let anything slip. I know. You don't have to tell me. I won't let anything slip. If I thought you might, I'd slit your throat right now. I won't. I tell you. I I have to live, my wife's sake. Okay. And the second reason you're here is so you and me can have a little talk. Talk. What kind of a talk? Joe, I, uh, I like the way you got that door and that safe open tonight. You and me got a future together. I don't know what you mean. Oh, yes, you do. As soon as the heat's off, we're going to do another little job together. Oh, no. No, I won't. I won't. Yes, you will. I tell you, I won't. You can't make me. Oh, yes, I can. Because if you don't, I can always send a little note to the cops telling them it's you they want for that killing tonight. You wouldn't do that. That gets you, too. <laughs> I'd be a long ways away by then, but you can't get away. you got a business here and a sick wife. You couldn't leave them. Well, now you see why you're going to do what I say. You dirty, you... No, 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 don't say it. You don't think you can pull a job and then go on as if nothing had happened to you. You're mixed up in murder. And somebody's always got to pay for murder. One way or another. Well, he did it for Mary's sake. Don't matter why you did it. You're in it now, and you can't get out. Not without paying in some I, way. I got a good mind to go to the police to confess. Get this off my chest. Oh, no, you don't. You see this gun? I'd plug you in a second if I... Hey, I get away dude. Let go of my hand. Let go you. You've got me into this. You're not going to make me go any further into it. I'll take that I'll I'll away yeah. from you. Mike. Mike. dead. He's dead. He tried to shoot me and shot himself. I gotta get away from here. I gotta get back to Mary. In a daze of horror, Joe Harrison found his hat and made his way to the street. His mind was a dizzy whirl of thoughts which he could not control. They went around and around in his head. I'm a murderer. Don't catch me, though. Hang me. I didn't mean to do it. I just wanted the money. The money was all I wanted. The money to make Mary well, that's all. Don't catch me. Don't hang me. I must I gotta escape. I got to. Mike said the murder has to be paid for somehow. That isn't true. Sometimes you can escape if you're lucky. I just got to be lucky. I need a drink. Got to have a drink before I go crazy. So Joe Harrison stumbled into a tiny bar on a dark street. Struggling to control his shaking hands and to keep his voice normal, he ordered a double rye and gulped it down. Then as his senses cleared a little... He heard the radio at the end of the bar broadcasting a warning to the city. The police department is asking you to be on the lookout for the following man. Wanted for the brutal murder committed in Gramercy Park section two hours ago. Please make a note of the following description given by the victim before he died. The description follows.
0: Hey, look, buddy, what's the idea? Why'd you shut the radio off? Answer me, what'd you do it for? Because. Because I was sick of listening to it, that's why. Oh, is that so? Well, I'm not, see. And I got an idea maybe there was some other reason you didn't want to hear it. So I'm going to turn it on again. No, 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 no you mustn't. Well, I'm going to. And if you want to make a f- try for a break, I got a gun right here under the bar, you see. Now let's hear what the killer looked like.
4: I repeat be on the lookout for a man of medium height, lean and wiry, with reddish brown hair. If you see such a man, report at once to headquarters. We now turn you back to our regular night program of popular dance tunes.
0: Lean and wiry with reddish-brown hair, huh? Well, that ain't you. You're kind of heavy-set and black-haired. For a minute there, you had me going. I was positive you was the killer, the way you didn't want me to hear the description.
4: Just jumpy, huh? Yeah. <laughs> well, here, have another drink on the house, huh? Oh, thanks. I gotta go home. I need some sleep. Yeah, that's what I need. Some sleep. Aghast at how close he had come to giving himself away, Joe Harrison hurried home. It was Mike the police were looking for, not Joe Harrison. It was Mike whose description they had. Joe Harrison was safe. Safe? Hardly able to believe in his own good luck, Joe reached his home and let himself in. Mary was already asleep. Quietly, he got into bed and at last fell asleep himself. Asleep troubled by nightmares that gave him no peace. When he woke, it was morning and Mary was preparing breakfast.
7: Good morning, darling. What time did you get home anyway? I waited up for you almost till two. Yeah,
4: I, uh, I was pretty late. I stopped at the shop and did a little work. Forgot to watch the time.
7: <laughs> and this morning you looked terrible. I know, you're worrying about me. But you mustn't, darling. I'm going to be all right. Really, I am. Of
4: course you are. I'm going to see to that.
7: What do you think? Dr. Norris called up last night. He wanted to talk to you. He said he had good news for you. Good news? Mm-hmm. But he wouldn't tell me what it was. I don't know why. He asked for you to stop in at his office this morning. Yeah, I think I know what it is.
4: Yeah, sure. I'll go right over and see him.
7: Oh, but darling, you're going to eat breakfast first, aren't you?
4: No, I'll eat when I get back. I uh, I want to see the doctor first. Anyway, I'm not very hungry.
7: All right, Joe. But please hurry back. I want to know what the doctor said. Yeah,
4: sure, Mary. I'll be right back. But everything's okay now. Everything's okay. After he left the house, Joe bought a morning paper. Big headlines told of the murder the night before, but he scarcely saw them. His eyes hurried through the story until he found what he was looking for. The news that Mike's body had been found. The man Mike had struck had given his butler Mike's description before he died. But he hadn't seen Joe at all. So the police had listed Mike's death as a suicide or an accident and close the case. Joe Harrison was safe. Perfectly safe. Safe? I'm safe. Sometimes you can't get away with murder, not have to pay anything. If you're lucky, And I've been lucky. When he entered the doctor's office, Joe's expression was that of a man who had just faced disaster and been rescued at the last moment. He seated himself and tossed the folded newspaper into the wastebasket. Good morning, Doctor.
2: Mary said you phoned that you had good news. Oh, yes, Mr. Harrison. Yes, I called you last night after I got in touch with the surgeon I spoke of yesterday, Dr. Nelson Richards. I wanted to tell you that he had agreed to operate on your wife. That's swell, Doctor. That's swell. I got the money right here in my pocket. The money, yes. Yes, I was going to tell you that Dr. Richards had said not to worry about that. You could take as long as you wanted to pay it.
4: As long as I wanted and it wasn't necessary. I didn't have to do it I I didn't have to do it.
2: I'm afraid I don't I... understand, Mr. Harrison.
4: Oh never mind, doctor. I mean here's the money I got it I got it right here. I, I want to pay for it. He's got to take it right away. What's the matter? Why are you looking at me like that for? The operation is going to cure Mary, isn't it? You said it would. You can't go back on
2: your word now. You can't, do you hear? It's not that, Mr. Harrison. Yes, the chances are the operation would have cured your wife. But, well, unfortunately, Dr. Richards was the only man in this country able to perform it.
4: Well, so what? He said he'd do it, didn't he? So what's the hitch?
2: Mr. Harrison, Dr. Richards won't perform the operation now. Why not? Dr. Richards was tragically killed last night by a burglar who broke into his home on Gramercy Park.
4: traveler again. Fate plays strange jokes sometimes, doesn't she? Poor Joe Harrison. He forgot that good can never come out of evil, and that crime must always be paid for by someone. If only he hadn't let himself be tempted. But he did. Now what became of him? Why, well, he devoted himself to taking care of his invalid wife, Mary. But his deed continued to weigh on his mind. And when she died several years later... He confessed everything to the police. I do hope his experience is proof that crime really doesn't pay. I always say... Oh, you have to get off here. I'm sorry. But I'm sure we'll meet again. I take this same train every week at this time.
2: You have just heard The Mysterious Traveler, a series of dramas of the strange and terrifying. In tonight's cast were Maurice Toplin, Joseph Julian, Elaine Kent, Palmer Ward, Kenny Lynch, and Bill Smith. Original music was played by Charles Paul. The Mysterious Traveler is written, produced, and directed by Rob Arthur and David Cogan. The Mysterious Traveler has come to you from our New York studios. Carl Caruso speaking. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System.
5: And that's The Mysterious Traveler from April 13, 1947, with Dark Destiny, starring Maurice Tarplin as The Traveler. Also in the cast, Elaine Kemp, Palmer Ward, Ken Lynch, Joseph Julian, and Bill Smith. And Carl Caruso, a a, uh, fellow Carl, Lisa, doing the announcing on that, sustaining over Mutual. Let's take a break, and then when we come back, it's more on the Hollywood 360 Radio Network.
0: More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360.
5: Lisa, tell everyone about our drawing here on Hollywood 360.
3: It's so exciting. Every single month we have a drawing for Cat's Pride Kitty Litter, and you could win an entire year's supply of the best kitty litter on the market. Send a picture of you and your cat to catspridephoto at gmail.com. Let us know your name. And, of course, your cat's name, city and state. Send it over. We will choose one lucky winner every single month. And if you don't win this month, send it again next month. You might be a winner.
5: All right. And all those pictures show up on our Hollywood 360. Facebook page, too. They sure do. All right. Well, next week, we're going to tune in to Let George Do It, The Charlie McCarthy Show, Gunsmoke, Escape, The Halls of Ivy and the Shadow, from my co-host, Lisa Wolf, executive producer, Mike Costella, Vince and Chris Lombardi, my crabby brother, Vince Amari, Adam West, and me, Carl Amari. Thank you all very much for tuning in. Stay safe. We'll see you next time.
0: To learn more about Hollywood 360 or to contact us, visit our website at hollywood360radio.com. Adam West speaking.